0: Yeah, I used to be nervous.
1: Oh well, I'm not ner- as nervous. As
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I used to come in here. It's like you know, and, no, well, and now I, you're just talking you wedding too. stuff and
1: you too.
0: Yeah, I guess I am. I guess I'm. I'm getting a little better. Um, okay, motor vehicles are clogging our space and air, and the New York City. Let me try that again. I, my my energy is really down. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: These are his techniques. <laughs> <laughs> A little scary, right? <laughs> okay, ah. is your energy up, dear? Ah.
0: <laughs> Motor vehicles are clogging our space and air, and in New York City, according to the website Street Blog, traffic injuries and deaths of bikers and pedestrians at the beginning of this year, 2019, are up. Congestion pricing is in our future, but will charging vehicles to drive below 60th Street make our seat our city any safer?
1: <laughs> I'll try go ahead, honey. Go ahead. I like it when you make mistakes.
0: <laughs> Congestion pricing is in our future, but will charging vehicles to drive below 60th Street make our city safer, cleaner, less crowded? Today on Barkroll Radio, we'll be talking with a representative of Transportation Alternatives, an organization working to reclaim New York City streets from the automobile. Walkers and bikers... It's time to take our city back. This is Bar
1: Crawl Radio number 42. We are recording at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street. Now, you can get BCR at most of the places you get your podcasts. And check out our new website at pippa.com. That's P-I-P-P-A.com. And our old website at barcrawlradio.com. Subscribe and let us know what you think of our programming email us at barcrawlradio at gmail.com. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go.
0: And once again, that's Wade Ripka's Blockheads. We always start our program with a little bit of bop-bop.
1: A little bit uh, of Wade Ripka. A
0: little a little bit of Wade Wade Ripka. Check him out. He's, he's, he's really at Barbes
1: and um, where else now? There's I don't another know. place where this
0: is. He's, he's at a few places. Yeah. But it's uh, Wade Ripka. And if so. you want
1: to know, just email us. We'll e- let email you know. us,
0: we'll let you know. We'll let you know Absolutely. we'll put you on his listserv. Erwin Figueroa is the senior organizer for transportation alternatives, first in the Bronx, and now he's working citywide for transportation alternatives. Mr. Figueroa was a development manager for indoor hoops. And he wore many hats for the Tune In Radio Station Back Talk Live. Uh, Irwin holds a degree in audiovisual communications from the University of Puerto Rico, Rio Piedras, and he has many accomplishments with transportation alternatives. Now, welcome to, to Barcrow Radio. I, I, we've been talking before we uh, went on air. I'm a longtime New York City bike rider uh, and a former bicycle messenger. Um, and I've seen the many positive changes in the biking environment in our city and on our streets. I have ridden with TA events and look forward to learning more about the important walkers and bikers first organization called Transportation Alternatives.
1: Erwin Figueroa, welcome to Bar Crawl Radio.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: We always ask, what are you drinking?
2: I'm drinking, uh, I believe it's called Prayer Group. All right, I got, I got the whole name. Uh, I, I went mean?
0: and talked to Tressa, the bartender, and she she told me it's called Tired Hands Prayer Group Oak Aged Lager.
1: It's easy to forget, you know? yeah, that's it's easy. Not, not not easy right. to remember. So the
0: name is longer than the beer. Yeah, <laughs> it looks How like is a, it? it's like a citrusy thing.
2: Yeah, it has uh, tones of you know citrus, lime. Very right. refreshing for it, this to say. Yeah,
0: yeah, because it, it's kind of warming up. Yep. I'm drinking uh, Twin Fork IPA from Calvert to New York. It was the same thing I was drinking when we talked to Michael. Fink, yes, I, Michael know, Kink. I know.
1: Well, we don't no. want to get our second drink, then we wouldn't be able to All right, talk right. to him. <laughs> it Irwin. was good. I like so I'm drinking it again. <laughs> and I'm drinking. I'm down to the bottom of my Tito's and tonic here. Oh uh, well,
2: well, we'll refresh it after the show.
1: So, Erwin, what is transportation alternatives, and what are your main goals?
2: So, transportation alternatives is a nonprofit. Uh, we've been around in New York City since 1973. Basically, our goal is we want to make streets safer for everyone that, that travels throughout the city without without a vehicle. That means pedestrians, cyclists, users of public transit. We want to make streets that are livable, there are for the people that are using them right now, and they will be using them in the future.
0: And and New York City streets, Manhattan streets, Upper West Side streets and sidewalks are inhabited by pedestrians and bikers and um, people using all kinds of different vehicles to get around, not in cars. I think this makes it a unique kind of a city. Yeah. We're a walker city. Yeah, I mean we walk.
2: We are the probably the one of the few major cities in the United States that the the more than half of the population doesn't own a vehicle.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. We yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. I we mean don't. I go visit
0: my sister and my brother, they live in the burbs. Uh and in, in th- people don't walk. Yeah. Here people are out all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how um how did you get into transportation alternatives?
2: So I got involved with Transmission Alternatives. I was first mention, I used to live in New Haven, in Connecticut, and I probably had one of the worst commutes you can ever had, because I didn't own a car, and I was working in Bridgeport, which is about 25 to half an hour to half an hour if you're driving. Now my commute was, I would get on my bike, 6 in the morning, bike down to the train station, take the train, I would take the metro north from New Haven to Bridgeport, and then from Bridgeport I would literally run from the station. To the bus station so i would take an express bus to get would, there in time to get me to like an office park in the suburbs part of oh you'd park. lock up
0: your bike by the train station
2: yeah oh, okay yeah that right.
1: was the first part there right. was there was many parts of this uh, I, commute I, wow I yeah.
2: so that's how i first started cycling as a mode of, of commuting mode of transportation not just as a something for fun um you, after, could, you couldn't take your bike on the train i could but um it's you know like i said i had to literally run from the train to catch the bus so I guess I could bike through the ramp, but people wouldn't be really happy with me biking. Yeah. But um, once I moved to New York City, I you know I didn't have a steady job. I was working a lot of freelance, so I wasn't making a lot of money. So cycling became the way that I got around uh, because it was cheap. It was fast. I, it really is fast. It is, it, is, it is faster sometimes than taking the subway. Oh, many or
1: times, so many times. Faster yeah.
2: than taking a cab
0: sometimes. Yeah. By vehicle, I, absolutely. I, I, I'm a lawn bowler, and so I, we'd be in the park lawn bowling, which is a whole other program, <laughs> which we never got to, dear, but we need to. Well, get to and, it. And, and, and Becky would be watching me, and then she'd hop in a cab, and I'd hop on my bike, and I'd get home
2: before her. Yeah. Yes. I'm a getting older. I can't quite do that anymore, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I, you know, and that's how I used to go around, and, you know, I, I live in Brooklyn. I live in, in Crown Heights, a Flatbush area, and I noticed that there were Lots of bike lanes, but when you needed them the most, there there, there weren't weren't any. Yeah. So I wonder if there's any group doing something about this. And that's how i found transportation alternatives. I went to one of the first meetings um, as a volunteer, and then I got involved as a cancer. Just like, you know, I was working. I had some time available. I would go around, talk to people about the different campaigns that they had. Wow. And try to get support for them. And then at the end, I liked it so much, and they liked me, which is the most important part. And they kept me around, and now here I am, four years later, I'm the senior organizer. That's great. And
0: you're making a living at, at, at uh, uh, working for Transportation Alternatives. Yeah. Who's trying to work for bikers, and, and you're still a biker. You're still... I'm
2: still a cyclist. Uh, you know, I use probably all the most transportation there in New York City at some point, and cycling is... Did you cycle here? I didn't cycle here because I had other commitments today. Okay. And it was a little bit difficult to get the bike there, but I, you know, today is the second day of bike month. Transportation Alternatives. Oh, didn't
0: know that. Yeah, oh. so May, May is Bike Month. May
2: is Bike Month. Cool. So you, for all of one that's listening, they, throughout May, you're going to be seeing us all throughout the city with different events. So And we're going to talk about that, yeah. the events you're going to be having. Do
1: you know um. about the beginnings of, of TA?
2: Yeah. So as I mentioned before, Transportation Alternatives started in 1973. It started more of an environmental organization, more than the cycling. Uh, as it evolved throughout the years, it became more and more center on transportation specifically cycling for a very long time we were known as the cycling organization uh, and we still are we still do a lot of our projects are about cycling but we have evolved throughout the years to see uh streets in new york city in a more holistic way whereas during things that are, that are better for cyclists are also better for pedestrians are also better for public transit users and also better for drivers when everyone has their own space in the row, when, when they can move in a, in a free and a safe way, everyone benefits.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, so, so, transportation alternatives kind of started when uh, the Clean Air Act yeah. came around, the Clean Water Act. I mean, we're in a different place now with the government and, and environment. Um,
1: Remember the Clean Water Act? Yeah.
0: What yeah. a nice progressive what, time what, what, that what was. A, what a nice idea, having actually clean water <laughs> and clean air. Clean air. Uh, and, and government that supports that. But then, in the 1980s, there was a uh, um, kind of a kickback or a pushback against uh, bikers by our uh, by the mayor, Mayor uh, Koch, mm-hmm. um, and Critical Mass came about. Can you talk about that? About you know, we're talking about the 1980s, 1990s. There's a different attitude towards bikers, uh, cyclists.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, cycling was not at all mainstream as as mainstream as it is right now. Yeah. Uh, back then, that. Uh, you know, Mayor Koch literally had a ban, um, uh, like, wanted to ban cycling on Midtown. Yeah. During rush hour hours, which is, you know, you think that now to ban cycling during rush hour would be insane because, you know, that's how, you know, 10%, you know, 5 to 10% of people are commuting every day. But back then, yeah, cycling was looked at, down upon. There were a lot of bike messengers. There was a lot of... um, And I was one of them. And you're, Yeah. And, and, you know, you know how it used to be. You know, they will be looked down upon, and they still are in, in some respects, but um it wasn't really seen as a mode of transportation. It was seen as something that people do when they're kids, for fun, for exercise, to go to the park. It's a
0: child's toy.
2: It's Yeah. But not, not as something that can take you to point A to point B and take you to work, take you to your appointments, take you to, to your shows, wherever you're going. So, yeah. And there, and, and there was a massive mobilization of cyclists that pushed back against the mayor. Uh, at that what time. kinds of
0: things did they do? And we're, this, this, this comes under the heading of critical mass. Yeah.
2: I mean, they all rode together, you know, massive, massive rides that, that would literally would take the entire street. And block traffic. And block traffic and demonstrate and, and show that they're here to stay, that they're not going to be pushed back, they're not going to be diminished. They're here because they use the street just as everyone else.
1: Because bikers were harassed under Koch, right? Yeah. They were, um, they were, they would break the locks and confiscate bikes, right? And on. there was there was
2: a rule about uh, bells needed to be on on a bike. It still is. So it's actually this is a law. Oh, really? That that is actually very pertinent that you just bring this up because there was there this is a law that is over a hundred years old, and just recently, in Thompson Square Park. Uh, a group of cyclists were ticketed, not only ticketed, but they also confiscated their bikes. Be- Recently? Yeah, like a week and a half ago. Get wow! Out. It was uh, so it was an event that uh, an organizer, a uh, messenger, was doing for 420. So you know there was a tongue in cheek. Uh, you know, 420,
0: which is the celebrating marijuana uh, day. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Even though at no point in the in the flyer said that there was going to be any marijuana use involved. And so what if there was? Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> Even yeah. with all of that, they still came and they still uh, confiscated this, uh, this cyclists' bikes, bicycles because they didn't have a belt, even though... So they used that law. They used that law, even though they used it incorrectly because it has to be if you're riding your bike without a belt, not if you're just, you just have your bike and you're walking around the park without a belt.
0: Yeah.
1: So wait, did the city bikes have belts? Oh, OK.:
0: Interesting. I, I don't have a bell on my bike, So it I has to be a like a ting like a ting ting Ching bell, or, or does that be like a bark, bark? Any kind of Any bell. Kind.
2: And you can put it anywhere on your bike. I've seen people that had literally put it on their, seat, on their seat poles, where it's like technically, I don't know how you can use that <laughs> bell, but so just so they don't get a ticket. I,
0: right, I, right. I, I don't have a bell, but I do have a heads up.
2: <laughs> you, <laughs> <do>. <laughs>
0: you know when someone yeah, kind of walks out, out of his mouth.: It's yeah. like <laughs> the bell is my mouth. Like, do I really need a bell?
2: And a lot of times, it's more effective. Because, oh, it is. Yeah. It
0: get, I mean, it gets
2: attention. Yeah, you, you know, how so can no one gets hurt?
1: hear the little ding, 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 ding in this ding, traffic, ding, ding, in yeah. this city. De-ha, that's crazy. De-ha.
0: That's 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 kind of nuts. Oh. Uh, I, I remember I was teaching um, downtown. We live on the Upper West Side, and I was teaching downtown. And I was always trying to find the best route down through the city, and there really wasn't any. And um it was quite dangerous and riding along the river was kind of impossible and i want to talk about those those changes that, that that were happening critical mass is still going on right i mean there's still critical mass events uh is ta
2: holding any critical mass events so not anymore so okay. you know we you know we saw you know there's been a significant decrease i think overall of like massive bike rides the last one that we did it was a very big, big ride in the same point as Critical Mass. It was a couple of years ago, say so three years ago. We had a massive bike ride down Fifth Avenue where we took the streets, we blocked, you know, all vehicular traffic, and we just rode down with thousands of people. Um, I think right now what we've seen with cycling has become, as I mentioned, it's become more mainstream. It's more people using it as a, you know, regular day-to-day. Um, more people that are cycling they don't identify themselves as cyclists; they just identify themselves as, you know, regular New Yorker that happens to ride a bike to go to work. That's right, that's right, just to get the word.
1: Michael King, who we just interviewed, rode up in a bike, in a, in a city bike. We just You're not supposed to tell him.
0: them that we just interviewed them, because this is like several weeks later.
1: Well, okay, okay. whatever, <laughs> cut it out, my dear. All right. So, Street Blog reported, quote, in the first 28 days of this year, 191 cyclists were reported injured, a 20% increase from last year. And 19 people, pedestrians, cyclists, and motorists, have been killed in the same 28-day span, up to 90% from the same period last year, end quote. Alan and I I know a a, a father of a friend of our son's who was killed on a bike path um, in front of the NYPD Auto Pound Yard at West 36th Street on the West Side Highway. And Alan was badly injured in a bicycle accident in 2001 on the West Side Highway. I'm afraid to ride a bike in the city. So is it safe to walk and to ride a bike in New York City?
2: So I will start first saying that last year, 2018, we had the lowest number of fatalities in New York City streets in the last 100 years. Last year? Last Last year, 2018. Okay. And to give credit to Chris too, the city has done a very good job on Vision Zero projects. And that's called Vision Zero. Vision Zero.
1: A de Blasio which is, which, initiative.
2: Right. Uh, which is to reduce the amount of fatalities in New York City streets to zero um, by 2024. But what we've seen lately is we've seen a, a decrease in the amount of projects, uh, safety-related projects regarding Vision Zero. We've seen a decrease of bike lanes, a uh, protected bike lanes, of projects that can save lives. We've seen a lot of these projects being... Uh, held down by local politics. Uh, you know, there, sometimes community boards are not 100% agreeing with these projects and they're being held down by that. And yeah, we've seen a the, the, uh, significant decrease of that. And that's the main problem right now, where we more or less have done the, the, easiest, way, the easiest projects, the ones where we have a very wide street, that it's very easy to implement protected bike lanes, implement safer crosswalks. Now we are... We need to hit the streets. They're a little more difficult because they're narrower, so you might have to make a compromise between parking and safety, which should be safety every time because, they, you know, you can't allow people die on New York City streets. So, that's in part what we've seen right now. That's that's why there's an increase of uh, of fatalities because we are not seeing more projects being presented and more projects being implemented, and the projects that are presented. Are taking a long time to be implemented.
0: I've noticed that there was a uh, there was over a couple of years, maybe about five years ago, there was um, a big push for bike lanes, and there was building and changes. And recently, over the last two years, three years, now, in fact, the bike lanes that are there are not being kept up, and so you're seeing that that kind of um, the effort is is waning.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and. You know to be clear and to, to be perfectly honest like we we were missing the mayor. I mean the mayor was a strong part of vision zero, like being well he was, he was his vision. thing yeah it's his vision, and it is his project, and he hasn't we, talked about it, and we haven't seen him you know being that champion as he was in 2014 2015. he's missing yeah I mean and he's his most amazing project is Queen's Boulevard, where as we all know, ten, fifteen years ago it's called the Boulevard of Death. right and now we have the and it's been redesigned queens boulevard and we haven't we only had one fatality in the last three years when it was redesigned which it was unthink, unthinkable right. like 20 right. years ago and now we have the last phase of that project that has been announced for over a year but no implementation
0: so is anything being done to to to, to raise a, uh, his awareness about this and get him to start you know g- going back to the policy that he began
2: yeah. And so we, as an organization, we are pushing their, the administration for more projects. And not just more projects, but more comprehensive projects. So right now, we have, on, on the council, we have a bill that is called the Vision Zero Street Design Standard. What that means is that every time you design a street, you need to provide a checklist of the elements that were implemented in that street to make it safer. And if there's an element that, doesn't, that couldn't be implemented... You need to provide an explanation of why. This is the first step that we want to see before we see every single street in New York City redesigned with safety first.
0: Is there anyone who who on the uh, uh, city council is supporting this?
2: So, this is a bill that was introduced by Idanis Rodriguez, who is the council member of Inwood, Washington Heights. He currently has 44 co sponsors out of 51 city council members overall. This is a bill that has overwhelming support. It's a matter of like, putting it to the floor, voting on it. So that's one of the things that we want. We want to have more accountability from the administration, more comprehensive redesigns that we know. When you look at redesigns, for example, Queens Boulevard to, say, Grand Concourse in the Bronx or Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, even though these are very similar streets with, with similar diameters and width and all, we're seeing different designs. And there's no clear explanation of why those are being implemented in different ways.
0: Okay, there there, there are a lot of ideas out there uh, to help make the streets safer for walkers and cyclists and um, people who move on the uh, what is it thing where they they push their foot and scooter scooter scooters. Okay. scooters, and and the scooters and all push their foot. Um, your your t- the transportation alternative website reports that eighty percent of our public space in New York City consists of streets and sidewalks. Eighty percent. Eighty percent is streets and sidewalks in and our rest, public space and the rest is buildings i, yeah. Yeah, I guess um our air is polluted our space is noisy our space is congested. it's dangerous due to cars truck traffic but the city needs cars it needs trucks it needs buses it needs those those motor vehicles how do we create a balance what kind of designs do we come up create a balance between livable breathable environment and motored vehicles. Now, there's ideas that are out there. And I don't know if you've heard of these. I kind of did some research. Um, overall, there is the term traffic calming. Mm-hmm. Um, have you looked at that as a solution? There's other terms, but what about traffic calming?
2: Yeah. This is something that the city has implemented in parts of the city where you take streets currently, currently that currently are very wide, they have a lot of lanes, and you reduce the amount of lanes that there is in those streets. Why? Because one, the 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 least amount of lanes that you have, the least amount of cars can go through. So there's this thing called induced demand. That the more lanes that you build, the more lanes that you allocate for cars, the more the cars are going to fill up that space. Fewer lanes. Fewer lanes is better.
1: That's fascinating, and it slows them down too. It slows
2: them down, and and that space can be repurposed to other uses. You know, you can have bench seating for people that, that are walking in the neighborhood. You can have Bike parking. You can have bike lanes. You can have bus lanes. These are street, These are modes that move more people than most motor vehicles in the city. Which, if you look around, are either uh, for hire vehicles or people that are just literally sitting in their car by themselves and no one else, and they're yeah. taking just as much space as four right. or five cyclists. Right, right, right.
0: Um, there's. There, I mean, Europe is kind of, I think, ahead of us in many countries in Europe about about this. I came across um, this idea of living streets. Um, and 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 then the idea of Woonerfs. Do you know about the Woonerfs? I haven't heard that one. Okay, the Woonerf is um, it's a street in which the sidewalks and the street is all one. Mm-hmm. There's no differentiation between um, you know where people walk and where cars go and where so cars can go. go
1: through there, but they have to be everyone, very everyone slow. Everyone
0: uses the same aware. space, and so you have to kind. Of, if you're in a car, you have to be really aware that there are people walking in the same space you're walking in. Clearly, New York is not a Wooner. <laughs> there's the street, there's the bike lane, no. there's the
2: sidewalk. Um, have you never heard of that idea? We do have, I never heard that term in that, that, in that word, but we do have a similar concept right now, actually, on 23rd Street, uh, near the Flatiron uh, building, where there's a section of uh, Broadway where cars can only go five miles, five miles per hour. Right. right. And and uh, is they call it a shared street. A shared street. That sounds like a Wooner. Yeah. F- yeah. yeah. In so, a way. Yeah. So pedestrians, cyclists, uh, deliveries, all of them are using the same space. There's no clear demarcation of like which space is which because it's for everyone. And we've seen that also be uh, done as a trial in Lower Manhattan. Interesting. During summer streets about two years ago. Tell us how it went. Well, were you there when they tried it out? Yeah, it it went fine. There wasn't any there wasn't any riots. <laughs> the car, like drivers didn't get off their cars and started shaking uh, shaking their fists at the mayor. Fists, yeah. uh, they slowed down. They slowed down. It it works in areas where you have uh, a limited amount of space, where cars even if you're in a car, it is difficult to go at twenty five miles per hour. Like if you try to go twenty five miles per hour in downtown. Like, you're not going to go anywhere because you're going to hit a car yeah. immediately. You're just going to get in an accident. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what about Times Square area? I mean, that's kind of, um, they've, they've closed that off to a lot of car traffic. You have to go very slowly. There's, you know, huger areas for the, you know, the public
0: are there plans for in increasing more of that kind of... Like in the village? Opening up streets for pedestrians in yeah. other areas?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of proposals all throughout the city of what we call pedestrian plazas, which is like allocating... There's a lot of streets in New York City, given that not, not all of New York City is in a, in a grid where you have intersections like in Broadway, in Times Square. We've seen a, a very good example in Jackson Heights, uh, in Queens, we have examples in, in Bridgewick and in, in Manhattan, in Brooklyn, where you have spaces where you have a road, you have a piece of street that's really not being utilized because it's not needed, and you can allocate that and convert it into a space where most people are doing. You know, a parking spot in New York City, if it's an if it's an meter parking spot, it'll probably be used by one maybe two cars per day. Um, if you reallocate that space, say for a city bike dock, for example, you can easily fit. 12 bikes. And that's mm-hmm. at least 12 people that are going to use that bike. Each city bike is used about five to six times per day. Get out. Yeah. And so, so statistics have been generated on that. Yeah. So each city bike in New York City is averaging five to six. And that's, those are the numbers with the regular, you know, pedal city bikes. I, th- I don't know the exact numbers for the e-bikes because they're new, but the preliminary numbers were that they were being used more and more frequently. Uh, electrical assist right. okay
1: so here's a topic bike lane problems riding down on 9th avenue the streets are nearly impossible to navigate along the hudson river multi-use cars and buses crossing bike lanes getting around port authority on 8th avenue going up uptown have you ever done
0: that have you ever ridden along and this once. is all this is all um, i do it all the time
1: research by it? Like, uh, <laughs> it's Alan. taking your, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> alan has ridden all these places and um, he's always complaining about that it's actually in some cases he said that the bike lanes make it more dangerous for the biker
0: because it's constant there's emergency vehicles going into the bike lanes people use it as a walkway mm-hmm.
1: and then the bike lanes will disappear yeah i mean isn't that they the of they kind of they do Street? and
0: then the bike lanes aren't being taken care of yeah i mean there's a lot of problems out there with, with the bike lanes and so how and do we
1: find a solution to this how do we make them all I don't know converge and and create one design that works.
2: Yeah. So I mean first of all in regards of people walking on the bike lanes they're not walking on the bike lanes because they want to. It's because there's no space on the the sidewalk. The sidewalks are overcrowded and there's not enough space for people that are walking in Midtown. Because you're giving the space over to the cars. Exactly. So you have too many cars in Midtown too many lanes. Most people in Midtown are walking or they're going on their bikes. People that are, that are in cars in Midtown are not are not just going around and going to stores. They're just going through and going somewhere else. Yeah. So it's a matter of allocating the space for the most vulnerable and the people that are using the, the, the mode of transportation that is the highest usage. Yeah,
0: we're sitting here on 72nd West 72nd Street in Gephardt's. Mm-hmm between Broadway and, and uh, West End Avenue. And we're kind of jutting out into the sidewalk. You don't see sidewalk. that much traffic here, but you see a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people walking. This is a walker city. And it's a great walker city. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's because it's, it's small enough so you can walk the whole city in much less than a day.
2: Yeah, and, and it's, it, it is convenient, fast, and, you know, you, you get a good exercise. But the main thing is, yeah, like, we need to rethink how we think, how we look at our streets. For more, for almost a hundred years, we've seen streets as a way for cars to go to point A to point B. Yep. Right. We've forgotten about what streets were were in New York City before the automobile came. There were shared space where you had people walking, people on horses. You had uh, street vendors. Right. You had people pl- You had kids playing. We've lost that in New York City. Yes. And it's a matter of us bringing. We've given it up to cars. We've given it up to cars, and we haven't seen any true benefits to it. In fact, we've seen. A lot of damage to the environment to the to the hundreds of people that are killed every year by traffic violence and it is time for us as we see that this is not the way to continue it's not a sustainable way to continue in our city given that we are growing and growing every single year we need to look at the space that we have and use it in the most efficient way
1: so does um, transportation alternative support congested pricing
2: yes we are big supporters
1: so um, can you explain what that is to our listeners and how it's going to help pedestrians and bike riders?
2: Yeah. So congestion pricing is for every vehicle entering uh, the central business district of Manhattan. That means anywhere below 61st Street, they'll have to pay a toll to get in. It doesn't matter if you're coming from uptown, if you're coming from Brooklyn, Manhattan, um, Brooklyn or Queens, I should say, uh, or Jersey, you will have to pay a toll. Well, Jersey, to be determined, because there's... Yeah, a, it's still kind of up in the air exactly
0: yeah. how it's going to work, and it, it's not going to be implemented until 21, 2021. Yes,
2: yeah, so it was passed by, the, by Albany, by the, the, both legislatures, and um, to create... They're, they're creating a, a group, a panel, that will determine, that will set the toll price of how much it will cost to get into the city, if there's any exceptions, uh, carve-outs, who are the people that would be getting carve Right, outs. people are
1: living in an area where they, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and and yeah, and it's set to um, to start by 2021, which a lot of people think that is a little bit more of uh, political uh, gains than than an actual that actually makes sense in terms of policy wise. But basically, that that's the main thing. People that are entering the busiest part of the city should pay the same to pay to get into the city. Right now, they don't. For the most part, they don't have to pay even though if someone is taking the subway or taking the bus to Manhattan, they have to pay 275 So why should uh, subway riders and bus riders have to pay? Meanwhile, drivers can get in for free without any real cost to them. So the good thing about pension pricing is, one, you will see a decrease of the amount of cars in our streets. That's the hope. That's the, it, it, it will probably happen. I, I'm, I'm almost 90% sure. Like, it has to be something very People are going to stop
0: from coming below 61st Street because they have to pay $10.
2: We want to convert the people that are driving right now because there's no real cost because all of us, no matter if you're a driver or not, you're subsidizing the trips that car drivers are using to get into Manhattan. We wanted we want to show them that there's other ways for you to be able to get into Manhattan, whether it's a subway, whether it's a bus, whether it's biking or walking. We, wanna, we want those people that can move to another motor transportation to do it. And you get the benefit for if you're a driver, you have less cars in the street. So whatever you need to go, you can go faster. Because right now in New York City, the average speed in Midtown is four to five miles per hour. Okay, I'm not sure. And you push back on me on this. <laughs> I'm
0: a biker in the city. The fact that the cars are not going that fast... Is good. Is a good thing. So I can kind of get out in front of them and they can see me. But if they're going faster,
2: isn't that going to make it more dangerous? It might seem like that. But in other cities that Condition burden has been implemented, there has actually been a decrease of the amount of injuries to cyclists. So in London, for example, they had a 40% total decrease of injuries. A, regarding uh, when condition pricing was implemented, and an 80% decrease of injuries to cyclists in the area where condition pricing was implemented. Is it because
1: they can delineate the areas for cars and, and bicyclers and pedestrians a little better because there's fewer cars?
2: Yeah, so one of the things that you, that you gain by condition pricing by having less cars in the streets is that you have what we call the space dividend, where you can actually take that added space that we have take for over. cars... And convert it into bike lanes, convert it into extra wider sidewalks, convert it to other uses. And we're going to see a, a lot of that in streets like Canal Street, for example, which is from from the Manhattan Bridge from Brooklyn all the way all the way to Canal Street and to the tunnel. You might you're be able to see less cars, and that might be able to allow you know better infrastructure. Other streets near 59th Street, Lexington Lexington uh, Avenue, there's going to be more space. And you can you can put more bike lanes, more protective bike lanes in New York City, and that's going to be able to help out.
1: In broad on Broadway, there's a, a thing up in our neighborhood called the Mall in the center of the street, and it actually used to be wider. It was decreased to make room for the cars. Yeah, it's, actually, it starts
0: right here on 72nd. Yeah, at yeah. At,
1: at, at one time, you know, a hundred maybe a hundred years ago or something, it was wider, and that was probably when there were horses and carriage. But people would walk in the middle of the.
0: You know, there's a walkway. Yeah. Yeah. So um, TA is doing some events coming up. What's, what's coming up with uh, transportation alternatives?
2: Yeah. Like I mentioned at the beginning, we have Bike Month. This is May. This is, you know, we've been doing this for decades now. Um, it's our way to show regular New Yorkers that cycling is a mode of transportation. And it's something that they can try. Doesn't have, they don't have to become hardcore cyclists, travel at all weathers um, right away. But at least give it a try, see if it fits within your schedule and where you're going. So we have what we call bike commuter station. So on the week of the fifteenth, the sixteenth, the seventeenth of May. We'll be all throughout the city. We'll be we'll have our tents and you'll be very easy to see us. We'll be on the west side on, on the West Side Greenway, near seventy second street, uh, handing out, you know, goodies, snacks, water, uh, people can become members of the organization if they want to. But I'm really showing to people that, you know, cycling is is fun and it's it's a nice way to de-stress and and you know when you have a tough time at work and you leave work, what better than having a nice bike ride? You have the wind on your on your hair, absolutely, and you're going everywhere. And then at the end of the month, on the last Friday, we're having, um, last Friday of May, we're having our bike home from work party. So this is gonna be in Brooklyn in the New Domino Park where we're going to have, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., we're going to have a whole array of events centered about cycling. And you'll get to meet new friends. You get to meet our great staff members. And it is a fun event. It's probably one of the best free events that you can have in New York City.
1: And tell us again what the dates are.
2: It is the week of the 15th, 16th, and 17th. May. May, That's going to be the commuter stations, and if I'm not mistaken, the 29th of May is the Friday, and that will be where the bike home from work party at Domino Park. Right. I
1: have a question. Does Citibank take transit check?
2: City. City bike. City bike. I believe so.
1: That would be great if they did.
2: And and one one thing that I actually learned is that you can, if you have health insurance and your gym reimbursement, you can use it for City Bike. Oh wow. So you can actually have a membership for City Bike if your if your health insurance allows it uh, for free, because that will be equivalent of going to the gym. Well. Okay, that's something to look into. And these events for transportation
0: alternatives, they're not just this month; uh, they'll continue uh, well into the future. I hope as we move towards a more bike friendly and walker friendly friendly city. Yeah, and I want to thank. Um, Erwin Figueroa, who is uh, the senior organizer for Transportation Alternatives, for joining us here on Barncore Radio, letting us know uh, where we're going to be going in the future and hopefully improving the streets for, for those of us who walk and, and, and cycle. Yeah. I yeah.
1: guess yeah. Thank so thanks. For PCR records mostly at Gephard's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street, across the street from the Mortuary, down Down the block block from from Trader Trader Joe's and and papaya Papaya Hot Dog. If you see Alan and I set up with our mics on Gephard's porch, knock on the window and say hi or actually there's no window now you no, can there just say a, hi just say hi That's and right. subscribe to Bar Crawl Radio wherever you listen to podcasts BCR posts every Friday morning
0: in upcoming shows we'll be having a conversation with Martha Hennessy and Carmen Trotta who are facing federal prison time for trespassing on U.S. military base in protest of our country's nuclear-tipped Trident missiles and on Memorial Day we'll be talking with three Vietnam veterans about their experiences during the war and after and we'll be doing that right here at Gephardt's. So, babe. It's spring. It's spring. The light, it's still light. Usually we finish up these things and it's dark. That's right. But That's now right. It's, it's light outside. So That's nice. I need to know what's it's for time dinner. time to ride a bike. Time to get on the bike. Yeah. And go, go have dinner. There you go. Erwin, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. all. Okay, Erwin, we, we were closing up here. And you came up with the
2: most important piece of information. <laughs> so what was it? Yeah. So on May 22nd, we'll be leading a bike ride alongside other bike advocacy uh, groups with the Progressive Caucus of the New York City Council. So we're going to be all throughout the city in different parts from the Upper, upper East Side, Upper West Side, uh, Brooklyn, and potentially Queens as well. We're trying to work on that. Um elected officials that are not just supporters of cycling but they're cyclists themselves which is a big change from you, know, do you know who's going to be involved so we know for sure that council member Ben Kalos will be a part of it in previous years we've had councilwoman from Upper West Side Helen Rosenthal we've sure had, we know
0: Helen she's been on the show yeah
2: and we've had um, uh, Carlos Menchaca from Brooklyn Brad Lander from Brooklyn as well Carolina Rivera from Manhattan
0: Rafael Espino. Uh,
2: potentially all right. Yeah, well, right. We'll talk to him. He's been on we'll our show. We'll talk to him. We'll tell him to we'll get. Give, we'll give him a little. Get on the bike. Get on the bike, <laughs> get on the bike.
1: Yeah. Get on
2: the bike. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. Good. Good
0: announcement. Yeah.